Okay. Uh, Dennis, happy hour to you, my friend. Here we are again. Here we are. Still what about alive. now? Let's do this now. Oh, Lord God. Yes. Happy, happy hour. Uh, How you doing? 70, uh, 71. You know, I'm doing all right. How you doing? I'm hanging in there. So the other day, the other day to get some laughter flowing, I Googled other actors imitating Robert De Niro. And I knew that it was going to be very funny. Only second to other imitators doing Al Pacino right. or Christopher Walken. But any of those, I'll, I'll repeat and repeat. To... De Niro is a good one to impersonate. De Niro, De Niro? yeah. yeah. Well, Bobby, as the celebrities call him. Bobby. He's yeah. got a lot of mannerisms. You, he, you, you, you do that thing with your to, cheek. And you're just, you yeah. don't have to speak to imitate De Niro. You just... You just look around and and and, and, and you mouth the words, what? Great podcast material, I must say. I know it. People could just picture it. Let's right? just mime the no, rest no, of the no, show. That... We can all just <laughs> an hour of silence <laughs> where we're just like miming shit. All right. Yes. For the next hour, we're going to do nothing but breathe. Yeah. Breathe in. Breathe out. And that's like the famous composition by John Cage called Four Thirty Three. Are you familiar with this? No. So, I want to say mid-20th century. I could be wrong about that. But he's an avant-garde, what is music really man, uh, composer. And he composed this piece called 433. Four minutes and 33 seconds. And ah. it, the entire piece is a rest. So... When the they first, entire piece? When they first performed it, a uh, guy came up on stage, and he opened the little door to the piano, and everyone was quiet, and they sat there. And he lets 20 seconds go by, and then he closed the, the little door on the piano. And everyone was like, what the fuck? I thought we were here for music. And it's this thing that is still talked about today of what if you are forced to sit in the silence of your life for four minutes and hear the sounds around you and maybe there's a bird maybe there's a car maybe if you're in a theater to watch a musical performance maybe there are people coughing or shuffling or something and helicopter crashing down towards you out of the midnight dark and for example thunderstorm that off, that <laughs> happens to me at least once a week and but the idea is this reflection on what is silence really and is silence really silence and it's this sort of meditative mindful be in the moment idea that like People still debate about whether or not four minutes and 33 seconds of rest is, is actual music. But, man, I bet the, the MP3 compression— How many minutes? Four minutes, 33 seconds. Yeah. And the audience paid attention to the silence and did not— The first time, I think they were pretty confused. But, like, the person sitting at the piano every, like, 30 or 45 seconds would do something, would stand up or sit back down or something to, like, keep the audience— Keep the okay. Keep the now suspense. Exactly. Keep them quiet. But that's, but in the end, the smart. whole so that's act, it's actually a demonstration piece. It's performance art. Right. Not, but I swear to God, you can download this and play it on your iPod. And what does it sound like? Quiet. Yeah, it's the same sound as if you're not playing it. <laughs> we'll save everybody the trouble and tell them not to play it. Just imagine it. No, but or just just sit there and shut the fuck up for four minutes and thirty three. Which is hard. Yeah. For sure, yeah. my kids can't do it, and for sure, I can't. Like, well, if it would you take, do it would, yoga or practice uh, meditation or any type of, yeah, yeah, yeah. You but know, it takes effort. Then you're, that's a dedicated discipline, right? Which it is is hallmarked by the fact that when you begin to do it, it's really hard to do it. That you're constantly thinking, oh, I, I don't want to do this. I got, I got something else I got to do, and exactly. stuff going through your mind. Or, yes, yes. You know. As the old, the old saying is, which I'm sure I probably mentioned when I mentioned my company's meditative practices, that if you say I'm too busy to meditate, that's like saying I'm too sick for medication. It's, it's right. that. So we we had another meditation. 40 minutes today at my work. Oh, really? Uh -huh. And for the rest of the company that lives in California, it's 9 a.m. And 9 a.m., you're fully rested. You're there. You're getting focused for the day. But for me, it's uh, 6 p.m. And at 6 p.m., if you ask me to lie down still for 40 minutes, I... What time do you start? What time do I start what? Work? Work. 9 a.m. 6 p.m. is late. Six... 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. and you're exhausted? No, but it's afternoon. But you're just not sharp. It's afternoon. You're just not sharp. And, and also, it's at the end of the day, if someone tells you to lie down for 40 minutes, good luck staying awake if, you're, uh -huh. if you've are if you been doing 
work for that's eight true hours. for me anytime after about 10 30 in the morning right exactly but i start i get up at 4 35 o'clock so anyway so there was a, not- there were times when i would i don't know if i totally dozed off but for sure for a couple minutes and then the meditation <laughs> guide was like calling your name no it's not a if, you, you we don't have the video on the boss. zoom call if we had our video on and, and audio where like i was snoring or something but no <laughs> but then the lady comes on and is okay so now that you've focused on the person in your life that you would most like to be gratitude give gratitude to now let's focus on some, something else and i'm like whoa wh- where are i well, did that did we already do that first thing that thing you were saying about other people did we the question did, did you raise your hand did do we already do that? Yeah. On this call? Everyone is muted except for the guide. But how many people? Probably 12 or 15. Ah, okay. That's true. It's not like If you can't unmute yourself, what do you do? Raise your hand through a chat box? No, so, we don't talk back. You're supposed to be being quiet and vulnerable oh, oh, oh. and oh. alone. You can't ask questions? You can like ask questions. You but... lay down and think about things. You can't like raise your hand and say, what about this? Start to lay down and raise your hand again and say, what What about this? And do you keep doing that until he says, look, I can't. You've got to settle down. Yeah. Please leave the room. Yes. Please. How do you, how would you interact though? No, we don't interact. No, I don't. I know you don't. I'm asking if you can. I could. Like we, everyone has their Zoom call on mute and with no camera. But I suppose at any time you could turn on your camera and be like, hey, I had a question. (laughs) Everyone's all, everyone's all, everyone would hear me. But if you turn the video on and off so that it looks like it's an old time movie. And then that'll catch their attention. And then say, hey, did you like that? Was that cool? It looked like an old-time movie. Or and, just, and your instructor would be like, Eric, that's not appropriate. What we're trying to do here. Yeah. Okay, now that everyone has relaxed with their breath, everything is super calm. And then I come in and be like, hey, have you checked hey, out Hype? Hey, it just came to me. Do you remember this magazine that used to like be just about how to build huts? You know, a canvas and mud. and Oh, man, I was laying there trying to relax, like you said. And it came to me, and it just woke me up. So did you used to get that magazine? Sir, Eric, can you please leave the meditation chamber? Yeah, It's a time to relax. Indeed. Oh, okay. 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 Just oh, like this hour. Sh- yes. I like it when you wake people up like that, and they start like a fucking pig. <laughs> choking on their own, uh, back of their own throat. Yeah, well. That's always fun. Isn't that yeah, fun? That's super fun. Hey, piggy boy. It sounds sound to me like you think it's fun. Okay, Dennis. Oh, you snore a lot. That's the problem. I do. That's right. You're a... You're a I remember now, you rattle the motherfucking walls. The paintings on the wall are fucking bouncing. When you you sound like a... God, I remember that now. Oof. We. Okay, Dennis. Well, you got your own room. Yes. I mentioned to you that I had that I over the weekend I watched what was a pretty important movie to me as in my childhood called Space Camp. Where have you seen this movie? Do you know anything about it? No, I know about it. I believe it's a Michael Jordan movie. No, that's Space Jam. Oh, what's this called? Space Camp. Oh, Space Camp. Space it's Camp. There's only a two-letter difference yeah. between those two yes. names of those movies. One has Bugs Bunny. Yes. So Space Camp was this movie from 1986 where some kids go to what is, I imagine is still called Space Camp. There's this program that you can sign up to try and get into in Huntsville, Alabama, where you go to NASA and you, as kids, you, you participate in sort of a mock version of the astronaut program and you learn wow. about cool. what yeah. it would be like. Yeah. Yeah. And when you, for sure, when I was 12, I thought being an astronaut was the coolest possible job ever, and I wanted to do that. And I wanted to go into aeronautical engineering because I thought, even if I can't become an astronaut, like that's maybe one path to being an astronaut, but I could at least build the rockets that take people to space. I thought that would be super cool. Which, of cool. course, is one of the one of the skill sets, that very variation of skill sets would be instrumental in at least one person on a flight. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah. Yeah, like, so... Biologists. That was biologist, my thinking. A, and I wanted right. to... Yeah, your typical Michael Crichton book has a team where there's one biologist and there's one psychologist and there's one chemist yeah, and there's right, one whatever. Right. And so that sort of idea. And Space Camp was like my ideal of I want to go there. Like it would be so cool as a kid to go to to learn to go to NASA and learn to be an astronaut. And anyway, the premise of Space Camp is that the so it sounds like you haven't seen it, but so there's a first of all the two female leads were like super 
pre-adolescent crushes of mine on the Hollywood stage. They were they're super cute, and the but so the premise of this movie is get your hands out of your lap. Every time you start to talk about these stories, you the, the, start to jitter around in your chair. The premise of the movie is: What if these kids that were studying in this in these simulators to be astronauts, what if they got in a space shuttle for a test fire of the rockets and they actually got fired into space? Oh my God! And so it's one of these. That's the, start. That's the premise. And that's good. Noise. Yeah. So it's, I know. I know. I know. It's fucking noisy. Yeah, but so that's the whole that's the whole premise of the movie. But the reason that they get fired into space is because there's this little sort of chubby boy that has a robot, and he tells the robot, "Hey, I really want to go into space." And the robot goes and interfaces with the computer and makes it so that this accident happens, right? And I want to share with you this clip because I, when I we started the movie, I told my kids, "Yeah, some of the actors from this went on to be famous. Mostly the female actors went on to be famous." But I did not realize who was this boy and the title of youtube video is going to give it away to you but try and imagine me watching this without really knowing click on that youtube video turns out the actor just won an oscar last year here we go still loading yeah the youtube icon is here it comes all right oh yes i have seen this and i do know who it is what a little baby face but i think that all i've seen is a snippet that's quite the scene yeah so anyway I was so surprised. I was like, that guy looks familiar. You know what? I think maybe all I saw of this was just his face. Right. Maybe. But anyway, for the listener that has not yet gone to the show notes at happyhour.fm slash 074, the actor that played Max in Space Camp was none other than Joaquin Phoenix, who just won an Oscar last year for his role as the Joker, which we have discussed previously on this exact show. Oh, my God, yes. So... Close that window. Come back to me. Come back to me. Oh, come back to me. Oh, I sent you. I hope you got it. A little connection to a female singer who sings a song intended for the governor of Iowa about what's going on in the small towns in Iowa. And apparently is it starts with the premise that the company's apparently pretty clueless about this. Did you get it? I did. I did not actually listen to the song because it oh, didn't seem to oh, be linked well, to in so, the article, but listen, I read the lyrics. It, if you're not if you're not in a hurry tonight, I'm not particularly, go ahead and look, can we listen to that together? Because I, I want to see your reaction to this one. It's it and it's not about the lyrics. It's about the it's about the performance. Okay, so I'm not sure how to do that. It didn't seem to be linked to in this article. The article had the video contained within it. I didn't actually just send you the video. I sent you the whole article. So that might create a problem. But anyway, we'll do it at another time if it looks like technical moments. But you will. I will tell you this about it. You will love the way she sings this song. That's the reason that I sent it to you. So the other, let's see what else that I sent you was we did exchange a little bit about Homeland. And I'm now binge watching yes. and I'm closing on season two. I did not know that Damien Lewis's character Brody I did not realize until the very end of season one, the final episode of season one, yes. that season two was going to pick up with him. I did not. I, because one of the things is when you go to uh, Showtime and you look at the lineup for reasons that are a little inexplicable, probably they only show six or seven actors. They're probably all related to episodes much more current mm -hmm. than something that was 12 years ago. So they don't even list Damien Lewis. So I can only right. – so I knew – that at some point he wouldn't be in it forever, and it, there's no reason to think so. But I would tell you this, and we've talked about him before, both in, was it and Brothers? Brothers? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then Billions. Billions, yep. And thought that Brotherhood was was amazing acting on his part. I've never seen anything like what he does in Homeland. It's, it's really I've never really seen a better portrayal of the emotion and the twisted pain of that character. It's... And, is season two I where he's Googled like in this. exile in Brazil or somewhere? No, that hasn't happened yet. So that's probably a spoiler for me. But right. he ends up getting caught in season two. Right. And they cut a deal with him, which is apparently going to happen in the next episode or so, which means that his wife, he becomes a double agent in effect. Right. And in exchange for that, he gets a free pass. And of course, he's going to take that. And I don't know how long it continues with him, but his acting and the interaction between he and the lead, uh, Carrie, yep. the, the main character, uh, which is just 
she's pretty spectacular in that show. Astounding performance. Once you see her at her worst, which happens in the latter part of episode one with her her psychological challenges. Yeah, but holy shit, yeah. Damien Lewis is stunning. And so I wondered, and I have been too lazy to do anything about my wonderment, what type of awards he received for that acting in the, the interesting world of awards for Emmys it would be for this case. Looks like he got a primetime Emmy I'm, Award and a Golden Globe. A Golden Globe. And for an Best Emmy. Actor. Winners of the 64th Golden Globe... Damien Lewis, winner, Homeland, Showtime, lead actor in a drama series. Yep. Oh, Lord. That's serious chops. And he, he beat out, like, Mad Men and Dexter and Breaking Bad and Downton Abbey. That's some competition there. Yeah, deserved that. I'm glad to I'm glad to hear that. So he's been done, since then, he's done billions. I haven't seen him in movies, but I'm sure he's in plenty. Oh, shit. But anyway. That- His Wikipedia page says that he played Steve McQueen in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That was him. Wow. That makes good sense. <laughs> now I can picture that scene perfectly, of course. Of course, you got to find that and post that. It's almost as good as John Lennon in, in, in yesterday. The, yesterday, yes. My whole desk just fell apart. That's a predictable bummer. I'm just going to leave it. Hold on. And the, actor, the, the Scottish actor who played uh, John Lennon, famous from uh, his days in, what was it, uh, Full Monty. Yes, and probably in the Ewan McGregor movies, punker, punker movies, I think yeah. he was in those as well yeah, when he was younger. What was that series called? There were two movies, Train Spotting and Yes. I'm not sure what the second one. Not so, Train Spotting too. Hold on. Yeah, I'm trying to find the Steve McQueen scene, but that's all right. I'll straighten up my fucking desk here. Straighten up your desk. Straighten up your desk. I this thing up here. That's where I want it. It fell down. You showing me? I send you a picture. <laughs> Yawn. You know people who, who make noises all the time. I do. Great well, shot, McQueen. Anyway, it's not a very good. It's not a very good shot at all on my end. No, it's not a good shot on my end either. What's he doing? It looks like he's lighting a cigarette, right? Yes. Yeah. No, I can't see his face worth a shit. Yeah. But anyway, I tried. You tried. It was worth a try. It was worth a try. You didn't, we didn't get to hear the song. We'll click on that next time. The Iowan folks, folk singer. You'll be. Uh, you. I'll tell you. Let me tell you this as you look forward to listening to that again is i want to talk next episode about what influences you heard in her work in whose work in her style the the woman from iowa but i, I uh, just talked about a moment yes who sings a song about okay. the small town iowans together, but think of that homework assignment number one Oof. number and i've had so many i watched the movie forsaken that you recommended with the Sutherland family, Donald and Kiefer. And it was good. It's like, it's great performances, but the whole the movie as, as a work of art is typical Western. Like people have trouble. There's a bad guy that's pressuring somebody to sell their land. People get shot. Played by whom? The Scottish actor. And the, uh, the bad guy. Sens- so the bad guy star. with the cool mustache. I recognized him, but I didn't know from where. He was one of the villains on uh, Kiefer Sutherland's Twenty Four, his TV show wow. called Twenty Four, where he, he's played a lot of dudes. He is the star of Succession. I've seen Succession, and he is the the patriarch of Succession. He is, is he? the absolute star. And also, if you wanna if you wanna get hip to the dude, and what's his name is look it up. I'm so bad with fucking names. I remember when I don't have to. Uh, oh, so the old guy, Brian Cox. Yes, he's the old guy in Succession. I was talking about the Jack. the younger, the younger bad guy, Michael Wincott. But yeah, but yes, Brian Cox is Scottish actor. That uh, check him out on Bill Maher. Okay. Check him out on Bill Maher. He does. He does. Is he's the special guest. So it's a little. It's a pretty short bit at the end. Mm-hmm. But he talks about the series, of course, and also his political views and. The Scottish political scene, which, Jesus, what a long-standing issue when the British Empire so controlled so much of the world, which ended in World War II, but still continues in, in Scotland. Mm-hmm. With Scotland just, is, is such, one of the one of the last colonies, right? Yeah, yeah, and they were they were worldwide. It was obliterated under Churchill, just obliterated. But when you think about what they were fighting, which was Germany and Japan, each wanted world domination. Here's another way to think about it. They wanted to take the place of Great Britain. 
they wanted to be the inner the world empire and take it away from Great Britain. That's one of the reasons the United States was like, hey, we don't have any holdings. You're, you're, this world empire stuff, that's not what we do. We're here. Uh-huh. We're just we're here to get away from that shit. So whatever the fuck you're doing over there with your world empire taking over people, that's not what we believe in here, although it was practiced here internally, of course, for, right. forever. But in, in, not country to country, international long term. So holy shit. Yeah. The, uh, Demi Moore was also in this as a pretty good looking 52 year old. She wasn't a witch. She was in witch. No, she was in what? For sake of Oh, Christmas. yes, of course. She was the old love uh, mm, yeah. spark. And, and with an iron. The opening scene with her was so fabulous because you absolutely knew that she was going to be in charge of that relationship without a doubt. Oh, yeah. yeah. But his, his, here's, here's the thing is Donald Sutherland has been in some amazing movies, done some amazing roles. Kiefer Sutherland has often played a character that I despise. Mm-hmm. The most prominent of which is in A Few Good Men, when he perfectly plays the role of the underling. You'll have to Google to remind us of his his name in the movie, the character he played. But he was so Jonathan awfully good. James Kendrick. Yeah. Anyway, Kendrick. He was. Yes, Hendrick. Ken- Kendrick. Yes, Hendrick. Kendrick. Yeah. So. Wait a minute. Heifer. Heifer Sutherland. He's a heifer. And yeah. Who played? The, the So in Forsaken, he plays this very common trope that everyone loves, including myself, of this super trained warrior combat guy that doesn't want any fights. He doesn't, doesn't he want just to wanted, fight he just He's tired he's of fighting. So, I don't want to fight. No but one. he will Kiss if you fuck shit with him. on me with this character and that's where this movie differs from the typical trope you won't see you will not see another movie you won't be able to name one that's for sure where that combatant who just wants peace gets to the point that he's cleaning up the shit on the floor spit there and letting him get spit in the face all these other movies it breaks before when it gets to that there is an attack that is astounding in this movie it was grindingly apparent that his degree of commitment to the nonviolent tenor of things was so deep that we didn't like it. We looked at him groveling and said out loud, probably, you got to be fucking kidding me, man. Get up and fucking blow their fucking head off. Right. Or something, something maybe a little less violent. Yeah. Shit, man, get up and fucking bash the dude's face until it looks like a bowl of red mashed potatoes, man. Don't, this can't stand, dude. That's what I was thinking. That's the note that I took when I read the, yeah. This won't stand. So were you disgusted? I was disgusted. I knew that it was a trigger that was going to be pulled eventually. Eventually. It was astoundingly long tooth into the story. But, so it reminded me of, like, Jason Bourne also doesn't want any trouble, but if you fuck with him, he will kick your ass. And another famous franchise that I recently discovered that has been around for a while. Are you familiar with John Wick? Yes. A series of movies. Yes, very much so. By Keanu Reeves. And he is... Which is in a new movie, by the way, Reeves. Uh, Yeah. He's got a a reboot of Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure coming out. Can you believe it? But anyway, John Wick is very much that character of, look, man, I don't want to fight you. I don't want to fight you. And then the people keep pushing and pushing him, and then he just breaks their necks. Here's, Here's the pinnacle. Clint Eastwood. Unforgiven, the best of that specific genre. He's a pig farmer. His wife is dead. His two kids. He lives in the middle of nowhere. He's starving. He's chasing his pigs, and a killer of a cheap ass, deep bullshit young killer comes to him and offers him what to him is a large amount of money, and he says, "I'm not going to do this anymore." And of course, right? He does it. You know, when he told his wife he'd never do it again, and he never did, and he does it. And it's if you're familiar with it, right? You've seen it. I've seen it, but many years ago. And again, like already, yeah. you're telling the same Western trope that I already yes. said of yes. guy comes yes. wants to buy your land. Yes, you don't yes. want to. Yes, yes. So the the most important thing of those movies, many things. Not I won't say the most important, but up there, much of what's important is the degree that the bad guy is amazing in his character, Gene Hackman, in Unforgiven is that character. Mm-hmm. And in 
Unforgiven, I think it's the best example of that. What, what was the other one you said where the that you just used as the example a moment um, ago? Jason Bourne and John Wick. And that too is Brian Cox. Speaking of Brian Cox and Jason Bourne, he's the bad guy in, J- in that. He's the baddest of the dudes in, in yes. the first, wow. first episode. How do you have this memory? Yeah. Yes, he is. Yeah. Memory so... about what? Exactly. <laughs> Oh, by the way, tonight is uh, Johnny Walker Black. On Johnny ice. Walker Black? I've got some red. Time a room down spot. Time. Oh, a little sip. I'll have it neat. Here's your happy hour. Oh, sir. I can't afford that black. Mm. Here's but the that thing that gets nice. dangerous about drinking scotch, and I have a good amount of ice on hand. And in my view, the ice makes the flavor of the scotch explode into your mouth. So you can almost see the smoke coming out of the fucking glass. Scotch smoke. And yep. you pour that rich scotch into that ice and you can whiff it and you can smell it. And when it tastes this good, it may not end up well tonight. <laughs> Things may get out of hand. You've gotten out of hand before. As, as I mentioned I tell you, before, I just recently, a year or so ago, learned to, I went to a scotch bar where they had actual proper good scotch. And oh yeah, they, oh, I have a story about this too. And it was like they, it was a big glass and they poured just a tiny little bit in the glass. And then they were like, that'll be 1250. It's like, fuck. Yeah. But man, that 1250 lasted me for 45 minutes yeah. of just taking you a little sip a and then having it explode and then stay with you for another five minutes before you even desired another sip. You want to get a kick? You want to get a kick? kick Go me. to one of those places and do a flight, which they might put on a ski with little places for the glasses and uh, they call it a flight ski mm-hmm. but at any rate and take some notes because the fact is if you like scotch you know three or four different kinds but when you compare it and you say i guess i have to pick of these three or four if you want to spend 100 bucks oh. something like that and we had two or three that night um, was... this is the one i like of all these mm-hmm. so then go ahead and get a bottle which will set you back 250, 300 bucks. Uh-huh. Now, and then for the next year, you get to do that pretty much anytime you want, or at least for part of the year, depending on how much you want right. to do it. But the reason I say that is because when you latch onto that scotch, that becomes the one that you just say, oh my God. And is it salty? Is it seaweedy? Is it peaty? Is it, yeah. Is it oaky? Is it uh, smoky? Okie dokie. Okie dokie. Okie dokie. That was the famous line in uh, Wells Fargo. Probably, yeah. yeah. That sounds very Minnesota. Yeah. So the. Yes. Yeah, I'll get those numbers to you. I'll call you back with those numbers. Oh, I sure will. Okie dokie. Yep. Okay, I got to go. I'll get those numbers to you. Oh, yeah. Okie dokie. Bye bye. So, as such, it feels you can't put good scotch in a hip flask because so much of the experience is in the nose. And when we had this really expensive good stuff, like I could bring the glass to my nose and then put it down without taking a sip. That's the start of it. And right. just be right. just be content for another couple of minutes. Like you don't need to actually consume it so much. But anyway, this brings me to – If it's cheap scotch, you can drink it straight out of the, 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 the bin. But it's not the way that I'm – I've just used it as a storage unit in my office. Right. Exactly. So I bring the ice upstairs. I, I wouldn't want to be – I'm not beyond sipping this as a warmer upper. Or a cooler downer, depending on what time of the year is. I don't know how you are. At all. <laughs> right. At all. I'm just saying that if I think about it a minute, I will take a moment and just get a glass of ice. I'm not pulling out the thing at 7.30 in the morning or anything when I'm starting work. Although I've glanced at it. I've glanced at it. And I don't right. want to make the mistake I've made at least several times in my life where I say, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to start drinking. Yeah. It's like 7.30 in the morning and you, you know, I'm going to have a Bloody Mary with some breakfast. And I just, you know, you say, oh man, that was good. I don't want another Bloody Mary. I know. How about a mimosa? Oh yeah, I got some champagne. I got some fucking orange juice. I got a big bucket of ice. It's oh, 9.15. Oh, a couple of mimosas. And then you're like, oh man, that was good. Are you hungry? No, I'm not hungry yet, but I, you know, I don't want another mimosa. Oh, how about a fucking margarita? Let's put the salt on that glass. Oh, now I'm getting hungry. How about some potato chips? Oh, oh, somebody want to? Hey, I know. How about some tequila? Oh, yeah, just like just straight up shots. And then your family oh, wakes up and they're chips, like, "Have you made the coffee chips yet?" Chips and dip. Oh, chips. Oh, it's a little brunch. What time is it? Eight thirty. 
<laughs> yeah, it's you know what happens. It, it doesn't. Well, if it lasts past noon, you're in real trouble, and there's probably some other uh, illegal substances involved. Otherwise, you're dead meat by noon. I don't want to make that mistake. I don't make a mistake. I'm just saying hypothetically. Hypothetically, saying, one could one could have done that. Yes. Yeah. One could imagine. So, I recently had. One of the better. And then, and then, oh no! Oh no! I'm now what? Now what? I'm oh, I'm so loaded. I know we got to start drinking wine. That's that's you know that you bottomed out, and it's about the end of the journey when you say, oh, all right, oh, okay, I'm ready for some wine. Let's smoke some weed and and drink some wine because it's it's been two days now. It's, it's time to close it down. It's almost 11 a.m. And and what kind of wine we got? Like, we only we, we only have Mad Dog, and and we're and we're serving it in a leather pouch made famous by the shepherds of old. What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? You're gonna drink it. You're gonna go to sleep. You're gonna wake up the next day and you're gonna say, Oh my God, what what did I do? Where did yesterday go? Oh no, who's 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 got those sledgehammers ramming against your temples? Oh, boom! The Jägermeister was heartbeat. a bad idea. Oh my God! Oh. Jaeger, you know the story, right? The Jaeger story. This Seems is like there is one. I'm glad that I'm glad there are not too many people that ever listen to this. One. We had a buddy, not Little Rock, Arkansas. He's a Jaeger guy. I I liked it, but I didn't drink it. But we're at a bar that's got a Jaeger Meister server right in front of us. This one. A Jaeger sommelier. Two, Six. Yeah. Well, it was just one one choice, but there wasn't much Somaliang to do. It was pull the lever and you get another one. Hey, six and seven. We're laughing, having a good time. And we're using beer to chase it down. Oh, I'm Jesus. chasing it with scotch. Oops. He's chasing it with beer, probably light beer. So I we're stumbling. We go home, stumbling, stumbling, blah, blah, blah. And I remember oddly, frankly, finding a, a bust of some Greek personage in the hotel and it ended up in my room which is probably a story in and of itself but when i the things you did to that bus i thought when i walked in the room i thought oh i i should put something in my stomach oh too many eggers my so i ate a chocolate bar that God. was a high fiber organic energy bar but i think we're going to see this bar again not only the bar but about half of that jaeger uh-huh. And uh, a good part of the scotch had evaporated. So all there was left of the scotch was a gag reflex that went as deep as when you did it, your balls got pulled up into your fucking stomach. And that black, sooty, tar-like mess that covered my arms was so repulsive as to take me to the mirror with blood shot, red, weeping, inflamed eyes and everything. Everything else askew, and I looked in the mirror, thinking about the five wake-up call and the seven a.m. PowerPoint presentation I had to make to the who's who of philanthropists in a major American city, and looked in the mirror with this black soot dripping down my chin, still on my hairy arms, with my wild red inflamed eyes, and yelled at myself with the mirrors, "What have you done, man? What a to have the video of that moment. The guy I had to work with, he's, dude, can you do this? I'm like, man, give me carbs. I need bread. I need coffee. I need bread. I need coffee. I need a sweet roll. I need, and I got to the presentation and I just rolled with it. Thought I was a little tight, maybe. I had a PowerPoint to this. Had it all down. Tight or loose. Then I got to a certain point. Got to a certain point. And completely forgot not only what I was supposed to say, but where I was, why I was there, who you were, and, and who I was, and why am I here? It was like talking heads. It was like this is not my job. This is not my presentation. Who is? And I looked at my uh, I looked at my colleague. Why was this before YouTube? My, my bro. Uh. I looked at my colleague and my bro, and I just looked at him. And I can only say who that, who are we? That that for the first time in my life, the expression "doe like eyes." would apply to me because mm-hmm. I looked at him with doe-like eyes that were obviously in the headlights of an oncoming tractor trailer fucking diesel engine. And he picked up the presentation and ran with it. Crazy friend. And I took a big hit of coffee, stuffed maybe you know, a couple of bites of bread in there. And then it came back to me and he shifted it back. It was pretty much seamless. 
here's how this story ends and the walking away and the, the idea that what that worked out and we did all right there was a q a it was a time driven thing we week. could get out we left we were in we were out at work high fives were done we're walking up the street as we're walking up the street my buddy brian grabs me by the arm and stops me dead in my tracks and my right foot is raised up off the pavement, ready to step down. My left back foot is still on the pavement. Otherwise, I'd either be levitating or falling. And he stopped me. And when I looked down, there was a pile of dog shit that was about four inches high that was a little bit diuretic, so it spread a little bit, but still quite the uh, essence of the image of a pile of dog shit that comes to mind. Brown, brown with a curly cue to it. And I was literally four inches from stepping in the dog shit. And I can only say, that's the day that Brian not only saved my life, but he saved the fucking bottom of my brand new fucking wingtips. Not only did he save your life, he saved your soul. Very good. Let's make a mark here. 6.33, you've been on the air about an hour. And you're, you've been clever at the one hour mark. This is a pattern we can only hope is repeated in future episodes so, so that we're not stymied altogether. I was editing. That might be the subtitle of this this episode. He saved not only your life but your soul. No, yeah. S O L E. Soul brother. So I was editing episode seventy one, where we talked. We had one of these stupid "Would you rather" questions about "Would you rather walk across the Grand Canyon on a tightrope or fight Mike Tyson?" Or, and then also. We talked about how you got run over by a motorcycle, and uh, I thought it was curious that later on another episode, I think the last one, where I discussed having both learned to box and ride a motorcycle, and I thought yes. that the synergy there, like the, the forecasting, the prognostication of that particular episode's topics was quite... Uh... Did you see those videos that, that I sent you? Actually, here's the problem. I went to my phone, and I couldn't get my phone to, to show them, so... Uh, Homework assignment for me. Homework assignment. But I tried. In fact, I tried twice. But as it turns out, it's been it's been exceptionally busy here on the home for a lot of construction projects. I have a, a story to tell. I think of some interest to you. Maybe nobody else. Well, people are listening here. You said you're not in a hurry. Let's save that for later. I want to talk about how I just showed my kids the movie Black Panther. Have you seen oh. the movie? With the death. No, actually, I have seen the first part of the movie, and given my what was happening was I was looking for a movie to watch. Mm-hmm. This one came up. I watched the first part of it, and I have to say, I went to a different movie. Right. Yeah. The beginning so, of it was too trite for for me that night. Much too trite. Too trite for me that night. Yes, I had seen quite, it before. Quite. Quite too trite for me that night. And, but. And I, so I explained a little bit to my kids, like my kids are into uh, Supergirl, this TV show where yeah. there's a girl with superpowers. And so they're into, and there's just, as I've mentioned before, there's just enough of that uh, show that is about a cute boy being interested in a cute girl to entertain my daughter. And there's just enough like superhero fighting to entertain my son. And so they enjoyed watching that together. So I told them there was a new superhero. There was a new. There was a superhero movie that they hadn't heard of, and I really wanted to watch it the day after the death of the lead actor Chadwick Boseman, and we did. And it was just great. There's so I do not like superhero movies, but I think Black Panther is one of my favorites. Huh. The, the plot. I'd like to see the whole of it. Then. The plot co- goes along in a way. It's not. It's fairly predictable because it's a Marvel superhero movie, but. The actors are so gorgeous. These are actors in their physical prime that are doing fights and stuff. But yeah. it was it was fun. My kids enjoyed it. They liked it a lot. And I explained that the lead actor had just died. And But then I started watching some of these YouTube videos of interviews with him and tributes to him. And man, what a fucking hero he was yeah. just in life. Because like he... When he filmed uh, Black Panther, he already knew that he had colon cancer. He knew yeah. uh, that was a long time ago, and he was still super fit and did the movie. And but then he he went to spend all his to spend time like visiting children with cancer and talking to them. And there's this one clip of an interview with him where he talks about how 
as a as an adult he thinks superhero movies are whatever it's a paycheck or whatever but looking but talking to children and seeing how they see superhero movies he came to understand that they're actually really important as being role models for uh-huh. the possibility of what you can be in life and he went and thought back to the, when he was a kid the the sort of role models that he had from tv and how that was very real for him and so he was very he understood that that portraying a strong black man role model superhero was actually really important was it a really big deal yeah a really it really, really was huge big deal and that yeah. because that had never happened, all the superheroes were white. Yeah. And yes. if you were a black yes. kid, you would think yes. whatever. And anyway, in this interview with him, which I will put in the show notes at happyhour.fm slash 074, there's a moment where he's talking about talking to these kids before the movie was released, after it had been filmed, before it was released, where they were saying, where the kids were saying, look, I'm just trying to hang on so I can see your movie. And, and he says, and then, and he just breaks down because clearly some of the kids didn't make it to see the movie and he just can't yeah. even speak about it and that he would die at such a young age of the same yeah. thing is scary and terrifying yeah it, it, it's an interesting uh, factor of i think as you see as people who know in some advance of their passing is mm-hmm. that uh their ability to connect their life with this new life ending part of it so warren warren z warren zeron am i saying this correctly Warren Zevon, C-E-V-O-N. Lawyers, Guns, and Money is just one of my favorite tunes. Werewolves in London was another one that he got in the top tier. But he was diagnosed, what was at the time, months in advance of his demise that he had cancer. And his album that he just had published before he got his diagnosis was titled something like, you'll have to find it. But the whole premise of the album was how he had never gone to a doctor. He had a phobia. The wind against going to physicians. And when he was interviewed by David Letterman about a year before his eventual passing, and Letterman had uh, promoted him on the show several times, and he actually replaced the leader of the band on Letterman. What's his ass? Paul Schaefer. God. Paul Schaefer. 20 times, I learned after his passing. 20 times he would replace Paul Schaefer when Paul wasn't available. And he was interviewed, and he was so funny about the things he said about what it's like to know that you're going to die, that it was heartwarming. And yet David Letterman, who always pushed through awkward moments with just a forthrightness and just a straightforwardness, uh-huh. um, interviewing him about this. And, and the thing that Warren Zevon said that was that he repeated a couple of times was that it just makes you appreciate every sandwich you eat. Exactly. And later in the interview, he said, you just need to appreciate every sandwich. And I, that just seemed to be the an example in the folklore and what we've talked about in terms of simple ballads and, mm-hmm. and simple lyrics that give you not only an image, but a feeling of an Im- feeling that goes along with the image. Imagine having made or having ordered a delicious sandwich and that first bite of it and thinking, not only is this heavenly, is this great Mayan this is good, but also I only get so many of these. This might, this might, this might be one of the last two or three sandwiches I ever eat. Maybe the last one. It's that capturing of that moment, and so these interviews, and then he performs at these at the at that interview, which I which you might connect with the show notes. It's just this astounding awareness that comes with that knowing of the end that I'm just I'm astounded by it. It's just, it's crazy. So I have two comments about this. One is that as a parent, your parent, you have a young child, or you as a grandparent, you have a young grandchild, you like scientifically, mathematically, that there will be a time when you pick them up for the last time, when you can no, when you no longer are picking up your, your child. And you never, in, yeah. and you don't know when that last time will be. Because when it happens, it's just a normal thing, and then it doesn't ever happen again. And that every single moment like that needs to be cherished. Every single... That's why I make a point of putting my kids to bed and hugging them and tucking them in and stuff, because I know that will, there's a finite number of those that I have. And, okay, so the point one, one B of my two points is I heard the other day someone say that if your parents live 
if you if your parents are still alive or if you're if you are a grandparent and your kid is, is alive how many times a year do you see that do you see that family member and if it's uh, what there are people that you love that you only see once or twice a year and if you think about how much longer both of you will live you can say look i'm only going to see this other person 15 more times Right. Like you can put a really finite number on the if, estimated, if, if, if you're lucky. If you, can, you overthink it. If you overthink it. No, <laughs> but the point is that you need to appreciate every single time that you are with someone that you don't see very often. But again, you also need to appreciate. Okay, so point two is I recently learned. This is actually, just for my own, just suffer me a moment, is that please. this is actually, as much as you'd like the nomenclature here to reflect that this is your second point, when you went to 1B, that 1B was your second point. This is actually your third point. There's no reason. For you to be shy about having a number of points, you don't have to reduce it to two so that it becomes one ABC, then two ABC. So there's six points. It's okay to say there's six points. I don't think that there's oh, that's Look, difference this is the Roman numeral four. One A and one on my bullet one points. B, okay? okay. It's your third point. Okay. I said I had two points, but then I found game. another one. Okay. I recently learned of a man named Terry Fox. Have you heard of Terry Fox? I had Maybe. not. Terry Fox apparently is this superhero in Canada. He... That's a low bar. 40 years ago, uh, in 1980, he... A superhero in Canada is going to confront a waitress over the the order. (laughs) That she got the order wrong. Okay. All right. Sorry, there's a problem with a a boot in the order. No, that this guy in 1980 was... Like had suffered some cancer in his knee and had his leg amputated, and oh, was and did this thing where he ran a marathon every day for 143 days. He made it halfway across all of Canada before he started feeling bad and he couldn't breathe and he with only one leg. One leg, yes. And it's his leg with a prosthetic. He wasn't hopping. Oh, he had. He wasn't hopping. No. And so anyway, he did this to raise money for cancer research. And on September 1st, 1980, he was forced to stop. And he he later died the next year of cancer, like his cancer had spread. But he's this hero. Like there are statues in every major Canadian city. Terry All the Canadian Fox. school children are taught about him. Terry Fox is his name. I'd never heard of him as an American, but the Canadians. No, I have... So I will put a little video in the show notes at happier.fm slash 074 for anyone that wants to learn a little bit more about that. Tell me about your building. Oh, so here's the story. City of Kalamazoo, in order to build a building, you have to have a building permit. In order to get a building permit, you have to describe the building. In order to describe the building so that your building permit will be approved, you have to understand the building code, which is 600 pages and about two and a half feet thick and written in 10 font and defines the type of building that I'm doing, not as the accurate portrayal of the building, which is a lean to shed, meaning it's a shed attached to an existing building. But instead, it's deemed under the standards to be a carport, which it isn't at all. And so there's the conundrum. What do you write in the application, which costs $160 application fee, in such a way that it's going to be approved so that not only is the project delayed, but you're spending time and time and time. So I had to draw up intricate plans. So I went to Google, I downloaded pictures, I did some tracings. And I must say, I did a reasonably good job of depicting this building and figured all the stuff out over the course of five or six iterations of drafting. So it wait, hold on, hold on. This is it a appears. riveting story. You want to, <laughs> you want to put an extra part onto a building in your property? I want to add to my garage a shed which is connected to one wall of the garage. So it is actually a three-wall construction with a tin roof. And because it is up against the existing structure, which forms its northern wall, mm-hmm. it's leaning on the structure, and it is thus called a lean-to shed, mm-hmm. which has all sorts of codes and regulations. It's not lean. So I've had it's fat. It's fat. Fucking mess. Of regulations. So, so just to build, what is big government doing up in your business when you want to this build is, something on your property? This is the fact. This is small government. What, what the and hell? At the end of the, at the end of the day, while one might argue uh, successfully that if you build a structure that's 
12 feet long and 10 feet wide and has a roof and big rafters and stuff that if the shit falls down on someone, it will kill them. Uh-huh. Is one thing. The other thing is what happens if you build it? So you're actually building a tinderbox with attracting flame and, and all sorts of stuff. Government wants and, to cover its and, ass for not having to come and put your no, fire out. It was, and you could you could put it that way, but there's it's just it. it's the public safety aspect of it, not just a pecuniary, intermediary aspect of going and stopping a fire. There's the idea that we don't want our citizens to be burned up in fires. We don't want our citizens to be crushed. Because then they can't pay their taxes so well. I, I caved in, lean two sheds that will somehow collapse on an old person or yeah. an old person or whatever so my, and kill them. And so they say, hey, there's something to this. This is dangerous. People could be killed. And then somebody else says, yeah, not only that, but we could make 160 bucks right. by making them go through the process. Oh, what, what, what does that do? That hires a guy. Right, exactly. What you got to pay somebody. Do? He reviews the plans and then he goes to see him. And that's what it is. It's a, self, it's a self-funded uh, program that's got some sentiment in the i can go on I'm, yeah my libertarian interested in that rubs my libertarian hairs the wrong way that i own where, this land where exactly are your libertarian hairs located north or south of the mason dixon line just saying they're pretty short so it's it's a bit like if you buy a product you buy a microwave and you want to fiddle with it and the government comes in and says, no, you can't fiddle with that microwave. But I bought it. This is my object that I own. And the same should go for your land and your I, – what I do on my land, as long as I'm not murdering people, if I want to build a treehouse, does, why does my treehouse have to be up to code? Actually, a treehouse is a good example of loss of life and limb, particularly since a treehouse presumably is for your children rather than you. And, it's and built what on you're limbs. wanting to do is 10-year-olds to scamper up a, some type of a makeshift ladder that goes to a structure that if collapses, not only uh, crush the child but ruin your life. You might want to think that maybe the government, uh, a.k.a. Big Brother, end of quote, as you say, does have a fucking role because there's a lot of fucking idiots out there that will build shit that will not only just catch fire, it will incite fire. It's, hey— Sun King, why don't you come in and ignite this motherfucker? Tin, oh, I don't know, for insulation, we'll use, oh, I don't know, newspaper. <laughs> All under a tin roof. Oh, why did we use a okay. magnifying glass for our roof? Yeah. And then a glass window, perhaps on the second story, that once reflected of the sun, shining on the tin, reflecting into a fucking laser beam, the newspaper, that fucking dope, dupe, dupe shit. Puts into the now. What would he have? We got a fucking conflagration that's going to collapse and kill your fucking grandfather. So now, right. how do you feel about fucking government, motherfucker? All right, I guess I'm pro-government, but I have a story. <laughs> that was easy. I have a story. <laughs> you, went, you went from anti-government to pro-government. There was no shifting into neutral. You, you're such an intellectual slut. I can, I can barely believe that you want to draw the line a little bit firmer <laughs> in the ground. I have a story where I'm fighting the government. In Spain, school starts next week, and it is obligatory that— You're not going to fucking send it. It is obligatory that you you're take like, your children to school. No, you're like, and, fuck you. And they have this rule in place where for the kids to get into school, normally there's just they just crowd around on the outside of the school, and then the bell rings, and then they all just run in. But now every child has to stand with one parent, only one, at a certain distance, and then— a teacher is going to come out and one by one take the child upstairs to the classroom, come back down, get the next child, take the next child. This is their plan. And so anyway, I am 100% certain that by October there will be so many cases of coronavirus in Spain that they are forced to shut down the schools. Yes, the research shows that consistently across America. It's yes. everywhere. Every yes. country. We so know this. We know this. Government this is has known. a number of expendable fucking children. So it's not so much the children that are going to die, it's the grandparents. The children are going to come home, be, and the grandparents are going to— It could be the gonna, children. It could be the children. But so they, so the government has said, yes, we are opening the schools. Yes, everyone has to go. And I have seen the data, and I don't feel like it's safe. I Some have people, seen the data of the coming of the Lord. We won't send our kids to school no more. Oh, fuck. Yeah, so— Do it, bro. So anyway, I— 
So I sent an email to the principal. I said, hey, can I talk to you? Can I schedule hey, an appointment hey, to talk to you? Hey, 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 you. Hey, 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 can I have I something to, to say? I, I, this thing you're doing? Hey, I, I'm not sure. I so, got a few questions. Anyway, I, I sent that email. And then before the principal could see it, I ran into him in, in the, on the street just when I was out walking around. And I said, hey, I'm going to talk to you. meaning within six feet you came within proximity? Yes. We, we kissed. No. We were just walking by. And I said, hey, can I talk to you for a moment? And I said, look, I know that you're doing everything that you can. And I know that your bosses and the government are telling you that you have to open the schools and you're doing everything that you, that you can. But I don't feel safe sending my children to your school. And he said, I can't tell you that's okay because I have to tell all the parents that it, that they have to take, bring their kids to school. But wink, wink, wink. I don't know that I would send my kids to school if they were school age either. And, it's and I said, kind what of is a the classic ethical position right. that people will take the right path? And it's a matter of conscience. It's a matter of judgment. It's a it, matter of who who is best to protect the interests of the child, the school or the parent. And the parent will win that argument fucking 10 out of 10 times. And so my point of view is, look, this is going to be a shit show. People are going to die. It doesn't have to be my people. Like for the policy to change, there's going to there will be casualties, but I don't need to be in the crossfire for that. And so basically I was told, look, my kids will be marked with absentee checks or whatever. And at some point, a certain number of those triggers a flag where some authority will come to your house and say, why aren't you sending your kids to school? But that's more targeted at the parents that are bad parents and concerned more about getting high than about sending their kids to school. We're not instructing. The standard of expectation is a little bit right. So more anyway, granulated than, you know. my current plan, and by the time this goes out, this will have probably already happened. My plan is to not send my kids to school. And my kids are devastated you, because they really can would Can we like do to. a podcast from the local lockup? Maybe so. I can try and That'd take my... Cool. Yeah. It'd be cool if you went to jail over this and we could do a podcast from the jail. Okay. Yeah, that would be the that'd cat's be so ass. cool. That would be so cool. That'd be the, the yeah. what? The cat's ass. Cat's ass. Yeah. Huh. We're not in cat's ass anymore, Dorothy. Don't call me Dorothy. Call me Dot. Call me D. But don't ever fucking call me Dorothy. Dot com. Back at you. We will talk later. Here's an, here, this is something that's been on my mind, and there's this article that I'll have to send you, and you can link it in the show notes. But here's the intro. Virgil Kane is my name, and I came on the Danville train. Okay. And the question is, what happens when someone is so immersed in a culture that they have no choice about what they feel is important? Because being different than what that culture forms and defines is so severe and so understood and so universally true within that culture that it dictates your beliefs about what's important. That's like all of human existence, yes. We all have That's these right. beliefs from our culture. Yeah. Also, you You think this is funny? Do I fucking amuse you? So much. <laughs> Do I fucking amuse you? If we're in the same room, I bust a fucking wine glass over your fucking noggin or your fucking ankle. Are you not entertained? Intruding now. We proved in episode number circa 62 That's a good one. through a back and forth commentary with, I'm sure, show notes that attach to the maps that, in fact, terrain in Spain does fall mainly on the plane. Or did we prove that it, in fact, didn't? That's the case. That's the case. Or was it? There's a lot of rain that falls on helicopters. Black, crashing, screaming helicopters in the dark of night with lightning and thunder and screaming. And it could happen. It has. At least once a week, you said earlier, making light of it. You know how that makes me feel? When you make light. Right. Of my most horrific nightmares. You know how that it makes me feel bad. I'm sorry. You're not sorry. I just can't. You just pretend to be sorry. You are a false imitation of sorry. You were never sorry. You'll never be sorry. You're not sorry now. I'm Canadian. Sorry. I'm a Canadian. Sorry. All right, Dennis. This we can't. This is, this is well. We I don't need, know. We need a song or something. Is, 
it's just petering out. It doesn't it's usually like, peter out. Who's talking? Oh, wait a minute. They're still talking. Are they, are they ever going to close it down? Did you see the clip today that I could only watch a little bit of your beloved president talking about how the thugs are carrying... Okay, Jesus. There's several things. First of all, there was the shadow people, which I'm sure you've seen. But then today he was talking about the how the people throw cans of soup. Yes. And yes. how cans of yes. soup are perfect to be thrown at the police because you can't throw a brick because no one can throw a brick. A brick is too heavy. You can't throw a brick. Which shows just how his upper arm strength is. And, the, uh, and, and, his, and his economic advisor describes a can of soup as exactly 1.6 cents worth of American steel. And then he holds up a Budweiser beer can made out of aluminum to make the point. I didn't see that part. But, wow. He was so convinced that, oh, they go to the, they go to the store and they get these cans of soup. And then if they're caught with cans of soup, they just say, I'm taking soup home to my mom to make soup. But then as soon as they as soon as they they have it in their arms, they start throwing it at the police and there's and a soup can will really hit you hard because it has more momentum than a brick because you can't well, throw a brick because a brick is what's so interesting heavy. about this that I found interesting is that the rather bizarre clips are one thing, but then the science of it is another thing altogether. And here are the facts. A soup can does fit nearly perfectly in a man's hand and is very simple to be able to control and throw, number one. Number two, it is of a significant weight Indeed. when full of soup, for example, cream of mushroom, cream of celery, as opposed to French onion, yeah. which is a little lighter, That's but the heavier soup, or dare shit. I say, dare I, dare I say, ham and bean, or split pea, these Don't are heavy those. cans. Yeah. The other issue is this, is that when that projectile, thrown with a great deal of ease, in fact, the ability to aim it fairly well strikes a human head. The either side of it could cause deep gashes, and the flat of it would definitely cause some potential concussion. It is, in fact, objectively, quite the useful projectile for its purposes. Those purposes, value, and ethical standard, notwithstanding, mm -hmm. the science of it is one thing. How this administration manages to take that science of it and turn it into a fucking soap opera, motherfucking Kodiak cops, who the fuck, what is going on here, chaos, instead of being able to get across to the American public in some degree the truth of it, which is some of this shit is dangerous and hurts people. That's true. But instead, not only makes it the only thing that fucking matters, but ends up pantomiming it into an issue that's not about that fact of dangerousness. They don't give a fuck about describing the impact of a fucking can of soup on a fucking law enforcement's head. What they want to talk about instead is the fucking economic connection between that fucking can of soup. Like they're throwing away 1.6 cents of fucking steel. That's a How bowl of soup that no one's eating. You could still eat it. Just wash it, wash it off and as long as the expiration date. Did you see the commercial about we've got a, we've got a, We've got a new house, but we've got ants, and the ants in question are relatives, Aunt Betty and Esther, et cetera, who uh -huh. are swarming all over the house, touching the, the, the countertops and looking at dust and saying, it's a really big house. I hope you can keep it clean. That's funny. I wanted to try to end the podcast on a positive, lighthearted note. And Remember so that Project Lincoln video that I sent you that is like saying – that is yes. like the one yes. thing that Trump cares about. Let's attack that. Yes. And yes. the Nielsen ratings Rated. for the Rated. RNC was so much lower, and they just so well, brutally made fun of him. To Melania, then they listened to him. Yes. That is a fucking killer fact. Yes. It's a killer. It's More right. people listen to her. And her swatting away his hand and the way she uh, looks. It is as we've heard and said about the Lincoln Project, an ad with an audience of exactly one. Indeed. Indeed, indeed. Hopefully, things will be not any worse next time when we speak, my friend. My life gets better, not worse. I hope my life gets better, not worse. Not worse. And if it does get better, 
I promise I'll go get her and I'll find her and I'll wrestle her to the ground. I'm sorry, man. I thought we were going to end with a hearse. That's it. A hearse. A verse about a hearse. I didn't mean to do it when I knocked her to the ground, but then the thing happened and I was found. I thought that maybe I had inherited a curse when came along the buggy. Oh, I swear it was a hearse. Oh, so this is a verse about a hearse and a curse. And I can't imagine to end a podcast worse. But if we do conclude it, I'll tell you this, my friend. It won't be the last podcast. This is not the end. Okay, that's it for episode number 74. There really are some great links that you, that you really should check out in the show notes at happyhour.fm slash 074. And as always, we would love it if you could go to patreon.com slash happyhour and give us a couple bucks to, you know, buy around for next week. And please, everyone, keep staying safe. See you next week.